This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This interview is brought to you by OKCoin Crypto Exchange, where you can buy, sell, and trade your favorite cryptocurrencies, and you don't have to pay high fees. OKCoin charges low fees, the lowest in the industry. You can also stake your crypto and keep 100% of the rewards. OKCoin does not charge any fees when it comes to staking. In fact, it is the only exchange where you can buy, sell, and trade Miami Coin and also stake Miami Coin at a high APY, currently at 280%. OKCoin also has a great referral program that if you refer a friend, you guys can split $100 in Bitcoin. So be sure to sign up with OKCoin, link in the description. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Thinking Crypto channel, your home for crypto news and interviews. With me today is Monica Long, who's the general manager of RippleX at Ripple. Monica, great to have you on the channel. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. Really excited to be here. Well, I have lots of questions for you. You guys are working on some cool things on the RippleX front, uh, but let's start with your background. Where are you from? Uh, where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in a suburb. And what did you do before you were working or started working at Ripple? So uh, from Pittsburgh, I came, I came out west to California um, for college. And uh, from there, I uh, began a career in public relations and communications. Um, so I started at an agency, um, then worked for a large uh, fintech company uh, before coming to Ripple. Um, and when did you first discover Bitcoin or crypto? I'm, I'm always curious about everyone's first encounter, whether they read on it, read about it on a forum or a friend told them about it. But when did you first come across it? So I, I am very lucky, uh, lucky in terms of timing and, and who introduced me to crypto. Uh, so I mentioned I started at a, a public relations agency um, after college, and all of my clients were di different tech clients. One of them was Prosper. Um, so Prosper was one of the first P2P lending marketplaces in the world, um, run by, founded by and run by Chris Larson. Um, so he was my client, and uh, it was my favorite account to work on because I just I thought his vision of bringing lending back to community roots um, was really inspirational and. Um, I think that's the, the through line in Chris's uh, career. He's founded three fintech startups, Elon, then Prosper, then Ripple. And each, each one has always been about, in some way, democratizing financial services. Um, 
So I kept in touch with him uh, after we worked together um, when he was at Prosper. And um, it so happened, I reached, I noticed he'd started something new around the summer of 20, uh, 2013. And I reached out to him and uh, we had, uh, I don't know, it was like an hour or two hour long conversation. And he was just electric with how excited he was about the innovation with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and then XRP Ledger. Um, and even all the way back then, it's very, he's very uh, consistent. Back then he was talking about it as, um, for, well, with Bitcoin, a digital gold revolution and the broader vision being for an internet of value. Um, and that's what hooked me because I, I like 2013, the very first time he talked to me about all these things, it was difficult to understand, like, you know, to try to really follow um, what, what is a decentralized exchange and why does that matter? And, um, you know, how does decentralized uh, transaction confirmation work? But, but the headline was the Internet of Value and that resonated. That's awesome. So you're an OG. You, you've been here for a while or you know of crypto for a long time. I love, I love OG. So you're not calling me a dinosaur. I'm, <laughs> I prefer uh, original gangster. For sure. For sure. Uh, so let's talk about Ripple X. Um, can you tell us about what's the mission of Ripple X? How does it work? What type of uh, initiatives you guys are working on on that front? Yeah, so, so now you, you know I've been at Ripple uh, for the long haul, almost since the beginning. Um, and what was really cool about starting Ripple X last year was it, it felt very much like those old days, 2013, 2014. Um, so the mission of the Ripple X team is to inspire and enable uh, the developer community around XRP Ledger. Um, so we enable them in a variety of different ways. Um, definitely through technology, um, we contribute, uh, we build and contribute open source tools, SDKs. Um, we, we also continue to contribute code to the core um, XRP Ledger protocol. Um, so, so all those contributions are really meant to make it easier for developers to build whatever they want to build on the ledger. Um, a second way that we support developers is through um, funding. Um, so we were really, really pumped to announce and, and introduce the XRPL grants um, earlier, de developer grants earlier this year. Um, so we've gone through uh, one wave of uh, applications and we've awarded those grants and we just closed uh, the application round for um, the second round. And um, we see such huge potential for being able to fund these great ideas. Um, and then I would say the third way is by supporting the community and helping the community connect with each other. Uh, a big, big thing we did this year was host um, the XRP Ledger Developer Summit, APEX, in, in uh, collaboration with the XRP Ledger Foundation. Um, and that was really awesome to get to meet with and talk to lots of developers from around the world. Um, but we also want to help enable and empower developers to host meetups and connect with each other wherever they are all over the place. That's awesome. I, I love the initiative of giving the grants to uh, developers and they can build on the XRP Ledger. Um, 
at the top of your head, are there any specific grants that are uh, that you can tell us about that were given to any specific developers and what they're doing uh, uh, or as far as building? Well, here, here's one that um, that I think is pretty exciting. It's called Trustline. Um, and they are working to build uh, decentralized bridges for uh, between XRP Ledger and other chains. Um, so that, that's exciting because I think, um, you know, crypto broadly has embraced that it's going to be a multi-chain future. So interoperability is really key. Um, so on that note, I, I saw that you guys also did a $250 million creator fund for NFTs. And you mentioned some of the folks um, who are looking to mint NFTs on the XRP. Mm. Tell us about that. And I guess, you know, what are your thoughts on the whole NFT movement and the potential it has in the future and how how you guys are looking to position XRP Ledger as, an, as a better solution, I believe, than Ethereum? Yeah, um, man, tokenization has just exploded. And uh, we really do believe that um, the future, in the future, all different forms of value will be tokenized. And that's, you know, again, calling back to Chris's very prescient vision for where this was all headed. He would talk about, you know, the movement of all forms of value, intentionally saying value and not money, because, uh, you know, he, he could foresee that uh, what blockchains really enabled was um, digitizing all different forms of assets onto these ledgers. Um, so the tokenization trend is very real. Um, a World Economic Forum report predicts that by 2027, 10% of the world's GDP will be tokenized on blockchains. Uh, so it's definitely something to pay attention to. I think what's been exciting about um, the non-fungible token movement that especially we've seen in the past year, maybe 18 months at this point, um, is it, it feels like a real um, turning point for mainstream adoption of crypto technology. Um, so by that, I mean, you know, you see a lot of the use cases around NFTs being um, for art and collectibles, uh, many use cases in the world of entertainment. Mm -hmm. And I think the proposition is a really good fit for why, a, why you'd want a decentralized ledger to hold information. And that is to um, remove intermediaries and bring fans and consumers closer to the artists and the creators. Um, so, so that, you know, being able to um, really build these token economy loops within these fan and creator communities. Because that's what, as a fan, that's what you want, right? You want what your, the, your money and your value to be going to the person who you're a fan of and, and is creating the, the work. Um, so I think that's, that's why it matters. And, um, this year, you know, definitely taking note of the trend. Um, I mean, XRP Ledger from its inception in 2012 has supported the issuance of tokens onto the ledger. It was, it was kind of the first ledger to do that, um, represented as IOUs, uh, in XRPL lexicon. Right. Um, but today we would just call them tokens. Um, so it's always supported that, but what we did earlier this year was we proposed to the broader um, XRPL community a new standard to um, enable a native NFT object on the ledger. So this is the XLS20 standard 
um, which uh, got some great feedback from the community on it. Um, we've developed it. Um, we're hoping to release that to DevNet, and then it's up to um, you know the the world of validators to vote on and uh, accept that amendment if they choose. Um, so that's where where that is. And the creator fund that we announced, um, the inspiration for that came from a number of conversations that we had with various creators this year. Um, what we found was many creators were interested in uh, creating their own NFT projects and doing drops, but they didn't know where to get started. And they, like, frankly, just the understanding how NFTs, you know, functionally worked or technically worked was kind of too much for them to take on. So they were looking for um, more support to, uh, to be able to do what they wanted. Um, the second part of the second insight that we gleaned was especially for really top tier creators like major influencers, um, there's fear of you know the, the brand risk if your drop doesn't go well. So if you don't do it right, um, it kind of is, has a negative effect on your brand. Um, so, so what this creator fund allows us to do is to, to partner with top tier creators around the world and provide them with the financial support, the creative and technical support to do their drops right. Um, and just to get more of them involved. That's awesome. So if let's say I wanted to start my own NFTs today and I don't know, maybe it'd be some funky dinosaurs or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would essentially, essentially go sign up um, to participate and then you guys will see if I qualify, then I'll have maybe the handholding and help, help me to get that up and running on the XRP ledger. That's right. That's right. So there is, there's, uh, but there's a form you can fill out and then yes, we review the applications and um, get back to uh, yeah, the, the creator to uh, about whether or not we can, um, assist you. I do envision too that, because uh, I, I mentioned, you know, the fund, at least out of the gate, we're focusing more on like the top tier creators who have established audiences um, where we, we feel, you know, we can make a big impact by partnering with them. But, you know, the beautiful thing about NFTs is that this technology is going to give a platform and visibility to the long tail of creators. And, and help them elevate their personal uh, brands and their projects. Um, so also along with the standard, we've been working on tooling and um, I can envision us you know, providing more tutorials and more scalable service and support to the creator community to do NFTs on XRP Ledger. And I don't know if you can answer this, but I, I remember reading that Ripple and Mintable were working together. And if do you have any updates on when that relationship will go live, so to speak? Yeah, yeah. Um, really excited. A couple of the initial NFT marketplace partners that that we're working with are Mintable and Mint NFT. Yeah. Um, Mint NFT is still pre-launch, but um, I I can tell you they're they're coming soon. Um, with some really exciting and kind of an innovative take on NFT marketplace um, marketplaces. Um, so both Mintable and Mint NFT are totally committed to integrating with XRP Ledger and um, supporting minting and, and trading of tokens on, on the ledger. 
Um, so it's really going to be up to the amendment process. Um, that's kind of the, the beautiful thing about these blockchains is they're decentralized and open. Um, but it, it means, you know, it's a timeline that's in the hands of the community, really. Um, so maybe this is a stupid question I'm asking you, but uh, <laughs> obviously right now with NFTs on the Ethereum blockchain on, on different uh, marketplaces, you have mm. to with Ethereum. I'm assuming, and once again, stupid question, I would pay with XRP to buy an NFT on the XRP ledger. That's right. That's right. I think that the, that would be a very efficient way to um, uh, to uh, transact with the, the NFTs. Um, you also uh, brought up a, a good uh, point of, you know, where most of the NFT action is happening today is on Ethereum. Um, and we've all been reading the headlines. We've all experienced the pain point of uh, going to buy the NFT you want and then seeing that the gas fee um, on Ethereum is exorbitantly high, you know, $150, north of $150 sometimes, yeah. um, where it's, it's not even really worth it to, to the consumer, to the buyer to go through with it. Um, and so that's, I think, again, it's going to be a multi-chain future. I think there's a lot of space for um, NFTs to be successful on Ethereum, on other chains. But I think something that XRP Ledger offers creators and marketplaces doing business in NFTs is um, you know, transaction fees that are a fraction of a penny. Um, something else that's really been resonating with the creator community is the sustainability of XRP Ledger. So this is the fact that federated consensus um, doesn't use proof of work um, as the or, or mining um, in order to validate transactions, so it's really, really highly energy efficient, um, which is something that we've noticed is resonating. And I, I've been telling people like I'm waiting for it <laughs> to build some NFTs and transact with NFTs on the XRP ledger because. The Ethereum gas fees are just ridiculous. I mean, it's just highway robbery. It's I I, I don't know. Maybe because we're in the early days, people are willing to to bypass that. But eventually, everybody wants to pay less fees and something more efficient and faster and scalable. So yeah, and you think about like okay, if you're buying a multi-million dollar art piece or um, punk that you you it's you know maybe the hundred fifty dollars is is worth it to you, but if it's a low value NFT, um, yeah, or yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah, I, I, even if anyone I'm paying that amount of money, like the gas fees are just ridiculous. Like, yeah, it's, it's just crazy. Um, I've, heard, I've heard that from a lot of people where you're really close to pushing the button, and then it's it's just a non-starter, so you just abandon the the page. Yeah. And to your point, like, you know, there's a lot of more smaller creators and, and not everything is going to sell for $63 million, but people may buy something for 1200 bucks, an NFT that they really like. And you want to pay $200 fees along with that. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. No. Um, okay. So I want to touch on the Q3 XRP report, which I think touches on some of these items. Uh, maybe if you can recap some items there. I know there was items on DeFi and ODL and Flare and, and so forth. Can you just quickly uh, give us some of the highlights on that? Yeah, sure. Um, 
So, I, I mean, I know it was an exciting Q3 across crypto markets broadly. Um, some of the things that were called out in the report you just mentioned. Um, so on-demand liquidity is, um, I would say, like the killer value proposition to RippleNet. RippleNet is um, a global network of financial institutions that are using um, this, this network uh, technology that we, that we provide to make cross-border payments fast, low cost, and more transparent and reliable. And they use a special feature set within RippleNet called on-demand liquidity. If they want to source liquidity for those cross-border payments on an on-demand basis using XRP. So this is, I would say it's the killer value proposition because it's really what dramatically brings down the costs of cross-border payments, which is the key pain point. Um, so, you know, ODL has been in market for, for a few years now, and Q3 was definitely, um, you know, the most outstanding. Um, so I believe um, uh, if you look at total ripple net volume in Q3, um, ODL comprised about 25% of the, the dollar value transacted. Um, so it's it's growing in terms of its, its share of total ripple net volume. Um, and the, uh, the volume through ODL grew. So if you compare Q3 2021 to Q3 2020, it grew 25 times <laughs> and um, more than 130% quarter over quarter. So it's on a really strong growth trajectory. Um, you know, big customers like Asimo and Iremit um, are, Tranglo and Novati are, are putting up big volumes. Um, and now it's available in more than 20 countries. Um, some of the big ones being US, Mexico, Philippines, Japan, um, Australia. Um, so that, that, was a, that was a really big highlight. You also called out some of the projects um, in the, in the XRPL um, developer and DeFi community. Um, Flare Network is a really exciting project that, that many have been watching. And I know they, um, they launched their test net called Songbird. Um, I think uh, Kava had a really great development um, amongst uh, several others. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was certainly an exciting report. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about ODL. Um, you, met, you mentioned the growth quarter over quarter. Uh, there was news of, I believe, SBI Remit launching a corridor between Japan and Philippines, if I'm not mistaken. Can you tell us about that? How's that going? And I know a lot of people in the community want to know how many corridors, uh, <laughs> how many different companies are using ODL? Right, right. Um, you're, you're spot on. So yeah, SBI um, uh, made some big news in kind of opening up ODL in Japan, um, which is a really big market. Um, so I, you know, it, it's grown from, at first it was basically, you know, three regions that supported, uh, ODL. And now we can say more than 20, 20 countries, um, will support ODL payments. Um, it's the share of total volume on RippleNet is growing substantially. So now, uh, like we were just talking about comprising about a quarter of the total volume, um, and yeah, it, it is the, the big growth story on RippleNet. Um, there was someone who was asking or brought up of some, some uh, thought of, and maybe you can clarify this because maybe it's fun. And, and that is when a payment company uses ODL, 
they don't have to hold XRP. They're just sourcing the liquidity from an exchange partner that you that is a, part, a partner of Ripple. Yeah. And, and then they're just sending that money. So they're not holding any XRP on their balance sheet, right? It's just an open market thing of buying the XRP, sending it, and then it's sold. Is, it, is that correct? That's right. That's right. The um, So the RippleNet customer doesn't doesn't have to hold on to the XRP. Um, and there's there's two different models for that flow. One is what you just mentioned, where they're sourcing it from an exchange partner, a crypto exchange, um, which means that they're sourcing the XRP directly from Ripple. Um, so you'll see that show up in the, the markets report, but um, that it's cutting out um, the exchange fees that the customer would have to assume if they're using wow. the exchange model. So it makes the transactions even faster and cheaper. Um, that's what we're always striving for, you know, faster, cheaper, better. So there was some news of uh, Bhutan doing a CBDC pilot. I think that was news was made public on the XRP ledger. Uh, can you tell us about that? And, and also there's questions from the community. What other central banks are piloting as well, if you can th- disclose that information? Um, we were really, really excited to be able to announce Bhutan as the first central bank that, that we're working with on a CBDC project. Um, so just to kind of take a step back, um, what, what these projects are is making use of the XRP ledger technology, but in a private ledger version. Um, So this would enable the central bank to take advantage of, you know, XRP ledger's inherent speed, scalability, um, cost efficiency, sustainability, but in kind of a private ledger format. And they can mint and manage their central bank currency in that ledger. Um, We also have had really interesting discussions with these central banks about interoperability. So in a future where every you know, domestic currency system runs as a digital currency and is digitized that way, there has to be a way to connect these different countries' ledgers. Um, and so that's where we think you know, XRP ledger and XRP is really well positioned to be that um, neutral intermediary uh, currency for, you know, to, to be able to connect the different ledgers. Um, so yeah, Bhutan, really exciting. Um, again, the sustainability point was a key key selling point to them as to why to use you know, this technology in particular. Um, there's a, we've been working really hard this year, building the pipeline, um, having many, many conversations with central banks around the world. Um, so I'm hopeful that, that we'll be able to share more more customers soon. Okay. So, uh, hey, everybody, I asked. Um, I tried. <laughs> I, tried. <laughs> I gotta, gotta respect the partnerships, you know? Oh, yeah, for How sure. Goes. For sure. Um, so, there was some news about wrapped XRP, and, and some people were like, what's going on? What is this? What, what, what's wrapped XRP about? Why was Ethereum chosen? And all of that gets up. Can you, can you give us an overview about what's the use case around this? Yeah, sure. Um, I go back to, you know, Internet of Value. It, the vision there is, intero- it, the, the, one of the headlines there is interoperability. You know, if tokenization is one of the points um, underpinning the Internet of Value, the other one is interoperability. So connecting all the world's networks and ledgers. Um, and we really very much believe that the future will be multi-chain, um, 
with Ethereum, there's a large, uh, large ecosystem of DeFi applications and a lot of activity there. Um, and so wrapped.com, um, chose to wrap, they are a business that wraps different, uh, tokens. Um, so I think they understood and saw that there would be demand for, um, XRP to be able to, for folks to be able to use XRP in part of the Ethereum DeFi ecosystem. Um, so they, they uh, wrapped the token and then um, Hextrust, which is um, a custodian out of uh, Southeast Asia, um, is, is providing the, the custody for those users. Um, so I think that, I think that it's a positive story for interoperability um, you know, making XRP useful and liquid um, within these different applications. And I think interoperability goes both ways too. So um, actually I think it's through GitHub, uh, tokens like Bitcoin and Ethereum are already wrapped and available on XRP Ledger. Um, and I, I, for, I can see that there will be more and more DeFi activity around XRP Ledger in the future. Um, so I think that, you know, equally so wrapped Ethereum will have wrapped ETH will have a use case on XRP Ledger. Got it. Got it. Um, I wanted to ask, and this is maybe an unfair question to ask because you, you guys are doing so much right now. Uh, what's on the roadmap for Ripple X? <laughs> you know, what can we potentially hear in the, by the end of the year or next year? And obviously I know some things are under NDA and scheduled for PR releases and so forth. No, no. Love sharing with, with the whole developer community. And that's, you know, that's the cool thing about open source communities is, you know, we share our ideas and um, we can all give each other feedback. Um, so we were talking about XLS 20 earlier, the, the NFT standard. Definitely want to um, get to a good place to release it to DevNet and get the amendment process kicked off. Um, that's going to be a really big development for the ledger. And different types of use cases. Uh, at Apex, which was the end of September, David Schwartz announced a couple things. He he is such a fascinating speaker. Um, he can drop like you know ten big pieces of news or information in, in the space of thirty minutes, and um, maybe maybe you can't you don't pick up on the significance of each. But two of the things he talked about. One was. Um, the development of an EVM sidechain. So, sorry, taking a step back on sidechains, another big initiative this year has been developing um, federated sidechains. So this is, and, and this is uh, released as a developer preview already. So developers can go ahead and take advantage. This is the ability to create XRP ledger sidechains that, you know, are at, at a basic layer that they're like XRP ledger but then you can customize them to kind of be what you want. So in the case of the EVM sidechain, we're going to work on a, a sidechain that's XRP ledger, but that supports Ethereum smart contracts. Um, and I'll, I'll uh, come back to that in a moment. The, the cool thing about federated sidechains is um, this piece of software called the federator connects these sidechains back to the main ledger so that assets can flow freely um, between the sidechain and the main ledger. On the Ethereum uh, smart contract ledger, this has been 
the number one request I've heard, we've all heard from developers. Um, that, you know, at Ripple, the found, folks at the XRP Ledger Foundation, like if you are just within the XRP Ledger dev community, um, it's, it's the number one thing that we hear about. Um, I think that's because uh, the, a lot of developers are excited about DeFi and um, the in order for them to build the applications they want to build, they they feel they need support for Ethereum smart contracts. The other benefit to doing so it, it enables those developers. It also connects the XRP Ledger ecosystem with the Ethereum ecosystem more. So all those great dApps within Ethereum could now um, work pretty seamlessly with XRP Ledger. Um, so we see that as a really big opportunity, you know, toward interoperability and just opening up the possibilities for XRP Ledger. Um, and the third one I would call out that David also talked about was, um, you know, speaking of OG, uh, XRPL was the OG DEX, um, actually the first DeFi app, if you think of it that way. Uh, it was a completely new innovation in, at the time in 2012, the idea of having a decentralized exchange right on a ledger. Um, and I, I mean, we think the performance benefits of XRP Ledger, its speed and scalability, um, make it really great for different types of payments, settlement, liquidity use cases. Um, since 2012, there's been a lot of great innovations in the world of DEXs, um, like Uniswap um, and all, all the other swaps, um, introducing AMMs, automated market makers. Um, so that's something that, that we're also uh, working on contributing is automated market making. Um, and David has, of course, his own gen ingenious twist on um, how to design an AMM to uh, so that the liquidity providers see more of the profits than the arbitrageurs. Uh, I'll, I'll let, I won't steal this thunder. I'll let him uh, talk more about that when he's ready. Awesome. So I want to wrap it up here with some uh, fun questions. Favorite food? Uh, Mexican. Favorite uh, musician or band? Led Zeppelin. Oh, good one. Uh, favorite movie? Um, I, I can't say I have a favorite movie and I anticipate favorite book. I don't, I don't know that I have a favorite book. I'll tell you, uh, sh actually not movies, but shows I've recently really enjoyed. Um, I just finished watching Ted Lasso and then we're, we're watching Succession right now, which it totally has me hooked. Nice. Um, I have to start those. Uh, when you're not a ripple, what are you doing for fun as a hobby? Uh, well, <laughs> when I'm not at Ripple, um, so I'm a mom, I'm a proud mom of two very small children. And so, um, you know, being so little, they demand pretty much all of my attention and more. Um, so yeah, that, that's the big thing. I would say, I, I wish I had more time to read, um, you know, read more books just for fun. All right, this is the last question. It's probably gonna be a curveball, but any uh, embarrassing stories of David or Brad or Chris in the office that 
And anything you can share there, and it's okay if you don't have anything. <laughs> Good embarrassing. Oh, gee, don't get me fired, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I've I've been at Ripple so long, you know, in part because I um, care very much about our mission, and I I really do believe in this Internet of Value, and I think um, we're in a really great place to be serious contributors to that. But I also just love the people I work with, including David and, and Brad and Chris. They're um, very down-to-earth people uh, who, I mean, we have a lot of fun with each other. Um, let me think if there's like a quick story I can give a shout to. Um, uh, of course, I'm, there's like a million stories and I'm drawing a total blank. Uh no but if I, if I think of one, I'll come back to you, okay? Okay. Uh, and by the way, that, you know, you could plead the fifth on that. There's no problem on that front. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Uh, well, Monica, pleasure chatting with you. Uh, really cool stuff you guys are doing on the Ripple X front. And, you know, love to have you back on as things progress. But thank you for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.